Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. I also want to give a shout out to all the pollinators who are listening to our podcast. The numbers, the enthusiasm that we're receiving is so amazing. And so just huge gratitude to you. What is this week's theme? This week's theme is trust. Number five, the wildflower. And what does trust want to tell us this week? Hmm. Trust that all shall be well. Can you allow space for resolutions to emerge, even in difficult situations? So you were so enthusiastic about talking about trust that you actually moved (laughs) it up in our calendar of shows. Why why did you want to talk about trust? Well, it kept showing up in all of our gratitude circles, Omar. I mean, do you remember the first Monday circle we held this month? We pulled trust. And then this last Monday, yesterday, we pulled trust again. So there is something around the collective resonance around this theme of trust right now. It feels like it wants to be expressed this week. Are you suggesting that it's like a wildflower, that it it is popping up on its own? Wow. It's amazing. Yes, it feels like it is kind of acting like that. Uh, And I'm so interested in the wild right now. It's interesting to think about trust in the context of wildness. Mm. You know, so much of our lives are human made. The place that we live, the security that we feel, we create those things to feel comfortable in the world. Yet there is this wildness that's always around us, you know, from nature's teachings with the cycles. Life is truly wild. And I feel like this theme is reminding us to experience wild trust right now. You, you've, you've said this term wild trust. I love it. It brings me back to a memory in college. I was visiting my dad in Norway and my dad's a geographer. And so he brought me to the World Wilderness Congress, which was in the Arctic Circle of Norway. It was right when the environmental movement was trying to engage young people more. And so the keynote speaker of this global conference was this 18-year-old. And she said something that has always stayed with me, which is the connection between the youth and the wilderness is that both are uncultivated. And so when I'm hearing you talk about trust as this wildflower, it's uncultivated. It's not this beautiful garden that was created, but it's actually birthed from somewhere else. Mm. How old were you at that time, Omar? I guess I probably was transitioning from my sophomore to junior year. And it was a big moment because... In college, I played varsity sports. I was on the volleyball team for the first two years. And after going to that conference, I realized that I didn't want to just look back on my college days and say I played sports. I wanted to feel like I did something different. And so I quit playing sports, which was a big deal for me. And I got deeply involved in social environmental justice issues. I ended up sleeping on the steps of my school administration building and doing a three-day hunger fast. 
in part just because I realized I was only going to be young for so long. I was only going to be uncultivated for so long. And I wanted to really just live and embody that feeling of being young and being wild. You know, it's interesting. I I wanted to ask you how old you were because there is this feeling that when we're younger, we don't have to work so hard at trust. But as life teaches us all these hard lessons, sometimes I feel like I've become hardened in the years and, and it's harder to feel trust in the unknown. And what's coming up around this story that you shared is how you have to really rely on your own internal navigation system, your own inner knowing to make these types of choices. So for you at that time, how did you guide yourself? I think it was really realizing that being young was precious, that I wasn't always going to be young, and that as a society, we, we look down on the uncultivated and it's all about being more cultivated. And, and I, I wanted to appreciate just what it felt like to be true to what I was feeling, to honor what I was feeling, to look at uh, the world and realize that uh, even then, you know, we have this one precious planet. And what was I going to do about it? I didn't want to just say I played sports. I wanted to be able to look back at my college days and feel like I was going to try to make a difference. Wild trust. When you talk about it, as we get older, things change. And several years ago, when I was leading a large-scale nonprofit and wanting to look at collective impact, like how do you bring people together? And there's all these amazing theories and approaches about collective impact and how do you organize people to find common ground. But I ended up reading this book called Building Trust in Business, Politics, Relationship, and Life. And I realized that the way that change really happens is by being able to pick up the phone and call people, call people that you know and call people that you don't know and call people who maybe you don't Mm. agree with. And really be able to handle kind of difficult conversations. And one of the things that the book talked about is there's three different kinds of trust. There's naive trust, blind trust, and authentic trust. Naive trust is like puppy love. Anything's possible. You're just giddy and excited. And then inevitably, you know, something goes sideways and your heart is kind of broken. But it broken in that sort of puppy love kind of way. And then there's blind trust, which is you're, you're, you're trusting besides all the facts that are telling you otherwise. And so we hit that sort of wall of, okay, what is really going on? And then that's where they left with authentic trust. How do we trust by giving? And really, this is what I've learned over time is that the only way to have trust is to give it. In many ways, it's like gratitude. Gratitude begins with the giving, not the receiving. It's the acknowledging, not the receiving, that creates gratitude. And so for me, this idea is trust begets trust. This weekend, I was at um, service, and I heard this term, begotten, not made. 
And I was like, what is the difference between begotten and not made? What does it mean to beget trust? Trust begets trust. And what I found is that when you beget something, it's like you birth it. It comes from within you. Versus something that we make is something outside of it and we craft. And so authentic trust isn't something that we craft. It's something that we actually give birth to. There's so much unexpected in that process. Like what? Like we don't plan that. You know, it just happens. And and then we let it unfold. And, you know, I love the story of you as a youth and how you followed that clue. And you in your heart, you felt this desire for impact that was so strong that it you did something that was really different and, and probably difficult, I would imagine. And that's something that I've been really struck with right now is when we face uncertainty in our lives or, or we feel maybe this strong push towards our destiny or something we're really called to do, it requires this leap of faith. It requires us to give our hearts in a way that is really big and can feel kind of scary. And it feels like trust is this medicine that helps us take that big leap to into the unknown and just have that faith that all shall be well. Well, I think it part of trust is actually recognizing what is true. And when you really kind of strip away things, right? And that's in some ways, the uncultivated isn't this manufactured thing. It's actually the real thing. It's not all pretty. It's not been made up nicely. It's just the raw, authentic, this is what it is. And I knew that as a young person, I was messy. There's no doubt in my mind that I was messy. But I said, there's something in this messiness that is true, that I want to honor, and I want to acknowledge. Last week, I shared this story about the Sundance uh, ceremony that the Native Americans went to, and that the only way that the ceremony begins is when we ask for help. And when we ask for help, what we really are doing is inviting vulnerability. We're inviting that we don't know everything. And that is true. And so for me, and it's actually fascinating because vulnerability and the research shows is actually an essential part of creating trust. That's why it has to be kind of birthed within. Birthing is a very messy process, having (laughs) been through it, at least on one side of it twice now. I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of rawness there. Um, And so it's not that it's beautiful or maybe it's like a beautiful messy Um, And there's a vulnerability and there's some pain. Um, But that's actually how we create trust and we create connection. I'm so curious to hear Arlene's experience with this wildflower and how trust came to be in this card. Today, I'll dive into the story behind our trust card. This is one of my favorite cards in the deck, and perhaps the first drawing of the 100-day project where I really started to sense something magical 
in the plants I was encountering, and in the routine I was building around drawing them in my daily practice. This wildflower is based on an actual flower, though the way I drew it, it is a bit made up too. It is based on a tiny wildflower with light purple flowers that grows in my backyard. The whole plant in the drawing could fit in the palm of my hand, and the flower blooms were each smaller than a fingertip, so I had to magnify it in my mind in order to draw it. And in the process, things were probably transformed a bit. I guess that makes it wild in many ways. It grows wildly. This is a tiny flower that just appears in our backyard every spring. And the drawing came in part from the wild place of imagination, that part of the mind that sees without the eyes. There was a lesson to learn in having to draw without really being able to see. It required more intuition and certainly a trust, which is how the word was paired with this flower. I had to trust my hand in making each line and trust what my mind could see without really being able to see. And if you think about it, as artists of our own lives, there are never any guarantees. There are often setbacks and things that will never be totally clear. This flower seemed to be a reminder that in the end, all you really have to fall back on is trust in that guiding light within yourself. If you look closely at the drawing, you can see the erased word trust in the background. The first time I drew the word, it felt spatially too close to the plant, so I erased it and redrew it a little higher in the picture. And it felt kind of right that my first attempt to draw the word didn't fully erase, because trust is a little like that. It comes and it goes. It's hard to hold on to. It disappears, but it's actually still there. It changes forms. I see this drawing as a reminder that part of the work of trusting ourselves is to know that the clarity that comes with trust can be fleeting, but it is something that is always available to us in that wild part of ourselves, even when we can't always see it. What I love about what Arlene talked about in terms of trust is that it's fleeting. It's the essence of something. I think there's a, a line about it takes years to build trust and just seconds to lose. I think the other reason I liked her approach to pairing it with wildness is that there is an acknowledgement that you can't control everything. Because part of cultivating things is about control. And control often is really about fear. And so to trust wildness is to actually be fearless. To have courage to let things go and to really dance with change. I just am really struck by how Arlene focused on imagination. And how we are all the artists of our own lives and part of that requires us to follow the breadcrumbs around what we're being called to do at any moment. And I just appreciate how much trust that this requires. And artists, again, are such beautiful pioneers of 
how do you create the life that you truly desire doing the things that you're meant to do that you're called to do in this world and how much that requires deep inner knowing and the courage to take that step regardless of what else is going around in the world and what people might say or how they might judge. And that really resonates with me because I think my story is a little different than yours, Omar, in that I was a really wild child as a, as a young one. You know, my parents, when I came out, they were like, whoa, this is not going to be an obedient rule following Asian <laughs> female child. Um, and I think for my young, the, the years of, of, you know, being zero to five, I was really in that imaginative time. And I think when I started school, you know, I moved to the U S when I was five, I started first grade in America. It didn't, the world did not feel safe for me. I went from being among friends and family in a culture I was really familiar with to completely being in the wild unknown. And something shifted in me at that time because I didn't feel safe. I felt like I had to follow the rules and I had to just do what everyone else was doing. Literally, they sat me next to a Korean student and thought that I would feel more comfortable in first grade and we didn't speak the same language and I was just copying her paper, including her name. I had no idea. And I think for the for a long time, I didn't feel like I could give myself that space to allow the wild child that was within me that is a part of who I am to really flourish. And I think through working with people like Arlene and you, Omar, who um, are so clear about who you are it's really inspiring for me to continue to just trust my vision and that does take imagination and and a lot of courage I'm making it all up so it's all good (laughs) (laughs) it's more fun that way isn't it exactly I think I love how you're leaning into imagination and the relationship between imagination and wildness, right? That's what's beautiful about imagination is that, you know, the Titanic couldn't just turn into a butterfly, but in our minds, we can create that. We can create that shift and our consciousness can actually change in lots of beautiful and unexpected ways. I've also been thinking about imagination as not just something that you visualize, but really something that you feel. Like, what does sacred imagination really look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? I think often we bias towards what we can see. And I think what an artist can really do is actually translate an emotion to translate a feeling. It's that resonance that we talked about last week where one string plucked actually creates harmony to the next one. It's interesting because in our circles, what I'm noticing 
is how great that desire is for people to live authentically. And oftentimes in our circles, what emerges is, I think I want something more, or I feel like something different could happen in my life if I just allowed it to happen. And I wonder what it would take for us to just go there. I think it's a little bit of leaning into our fearlessness, that courage to trust that which we can't even yet see, but we can feel, we have a sense of, we know that there's a truth and really take those steps to really have that truth be birthed. I look forward to hearing some more of the stories from our circles. trust and allowing space for resolutions even when things look difficult um yeah just totally resonates right at the moment Uh, it's all related to what's happening around work and um a business that i um have been starting and then in startup phase and um having problems with getting the unemployment that I'm supposed to be getting and I just got into a place where I thought I was going to be in my business start to maybe start to be able to pay myself and all of a sudden everything fell off um so and and the stuff going on with the EDD is like all really difficult and looking really like it's going to be a problem and I don't see the way through it. So I'm having a hard time. I know that things will turn around and there's things in the background working for my business, but right at the moment it looks bad. <laughs> and today it actually just got looking looking worse. And I'm like, okay, just relax and breathe. There's, there's a reason for this. Um, so I'm wanting to push and fix it, but also wanting to learn to be able to trust more. And that's just a theme. Sometimes things are going well and it feels easy to trust in the flow of things. And when it gets difficult, it can feel like it's just gonna stay difficult forever even though I know that's not true. I love how she talks about trust through movement, right? We can, it's easy and it's flowing. And then when things are tough, it tightens and it slows down. It almost feels like it's frozen. Trust is this dynamic piece that's always moving. And I certainly know as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of trust that goes into an entrepreneur. We're like, I have this idea of what is missing in the world and how I might be able to create something uh, that really meets that need. There's a lot of trust that goes into just showing up and creating. It's not easy work. I'm really struck by also the, it's a learning, you know, how do we allow the space to do that and to practice it, especially when it's uncertain and you don't know if it's all going to be well in the moment. It's that constant struggle in trusting that all going to be okay and I can get there I did it again today it was like everything's going to be right on time but it was a big struggle for me in this last couple weeks of 
wanting or desiring things to transpire and then they would not and as such different things and more valuable things came up as a result so and then the minute i was at ease with the process the universe delivered <laughs> so it's just like okay so it's a constant struggle and reminder to to trust in the process but these last two weeks were um I was very, very much shown the process and yet and now I have a couple of takeaways and a couple of directions and yes lovely reminder <laughs> How do we remind ourselves when we're not feeling it and This is why I like practicing gratitude in community because then the reminders are in the people who we surround ourselves with. One of the reasons you and I love holding gratitude circles is because it's where self-care, shared connection, and synchronicity meet. Synchronicity is this beautiful coincidence. It's that serendipity. It's the thing that didn't happen because we made it happen. It's not the thing that happened because we were trying to work backwards and align everything. It happened just because it happened. And we were present to it and open to it and then therefore were able to appreciate it. This is the hard thing. This wildness does require being open to beautiful coincidence and yet so much of what we try to create and cultivate and manufacture flies in the face of it. Mm. And that's really the tension that we're constantly balancing. Trust requires letting go. Hashtag fearless. <laughs> I see trust in your heart. Because in the, the, the picture I see hearts, the, the petals are on the flower in the, in the drawing. Looks like hearts, has little hearts. And uh, yeah. Trusting in that all will be well. Yeah. It's raining here in Texas, I thought I'd share. I love how she leans into trusting in the heart. The heart are is where the heart is where there are emotions. And emotions are so fleeting. And so it's instinctive to be like, that's fleeting. Why should I trust that which is impermanent and transitioning and changing and constantly moving? But the reality is that everything is changing, constantly moving, and impermanent. And so in some ways, by entrusting in the heart, you're actually trusting in change. You're actually creating the skills to be resilient, to adapt to change and not try to control everything. Often we're trained to think about efficiency. How fast can I go from A to B? What if we trained ourselves to say anything can happen between A and B, and I'm going to be open to it? The world would be amazing. It is amazing. I have a family member that I have some tension with her. She's very close to me, and I thought this is, this is pointing me to that for some reason. Uh, you know, I have to trust, you know, the fact that 
the things that I see, it might not be what is really happening. And I can't share more, it's like pretty deep, but immediately it reminded me, and I was not thinking about that at all. But as soon as I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is pointing me to that, that deep, you know, things that hurting me. And um, there was a message for it, I think. I feel like I'm reliving the circles every time I hear these stories. And what comes up is how do we continue to trust even when we've been hurt? And it takes that acknowledgement of the hurt to be able to release it even for a moment. There's so many different scales of trust. There's trust into the universe and just the vastness of the infinite possibility of things. And trust is right up in your face. It's the person that you love. And sometimes you're like, what are you doing? (laughs) Why? And there's just this incredible intimacy to trust. And so whether it's the vastness of it or the intimacy of it, trust is just part of our imagination. That's why it can expand and contract in so many different and beautiful ways. I'm looking forward to hearing one more story from our Saturday journaling circle. Learning how to be confident in the lineage that I come from, I am wise and I can trust my voice and use it to share, heal, and send love to others. For a really long time, I chose not to speak in fear that no one would understand or I was intelligent enough. The past two weeks, I've been working more on opening my throat and heart chakra. This is fantastic because it really is grounded in the body. This story, this journal entry is about what am I actually embodying? That's what I've been practicing trust around lately. There's one side of me that just loves meditation and the emptying, the letting go, and just that sense of openness. But then there's another part of me that is really about learning embodiment. What does it mean to fill myself up with? What am I embodying and how does imagination help fill what is within me? I don't understand embodiment. I hear people talk about it, the somatics. And yet it's something that I feel very drawn to, to learn more about with curiosity. It's also this work of translating what is going on in your heart and then being able to even speak it takes a a lot of courage and awareness to be able to do that and in in that way it feels like that's how we can spread trust you know it's, it's by feeling something and then having the courage to share it and then that it becomes infectious and how It inspires others to share and maybe make different kinds of choices. And so I'm just really appreciating this space, Omar, that you and I hold for each other every week with this podcast and also the circles, just how much we really need each other right now to be able to speak that truth. And it's so inspiring to hear it from others to then, you know, hold space for for myself to be able to do it. So just feeling a lot of gratitude and sense of collective 
support that's needed for trust. Maybe that's what's cool too about trust is when we give it, it really inspires others to also give it. Yeah, and it makes me think about our collaboration too. You know, in many ways, you're building a gratitude app. I have these gratitude blooming cards. And in many ways, we should not be trusting each other. You know, we should be like, what is, I should be like, what is this guy doing with the app? And how is that, you know, going to influence what I do with this card deck? And what I just love is that we're learning about trust through this process of co-creation, of birthing these new things in the world, because we both care so much about healing hearts and seeing the power of that through gratitude and and how what we're doing is so much stronger because we have that trust of each other to, to co-create. And it is part of the new model, right? The old model is just competition and you compete because there's scarce resources. Everything is finite. But when there is a sense that things are not finite, there is a sense of abundance, then there's room to cooperate. There's room for trust. There's room to give and receive. Mm-hmm. So what's our gratitude practice for this week? So yeah, for those of you that are listening, you can practice this in the moment with us or feel free to tune in later when you're in the space to practice. And this practice is inspired by this idea of wild trust in ourselves. So throughout your week, I invite you to pay attention to any challenge or discomfort that comes up for you. And when it does, you may notice it might feel like a tension in your body or maybe an emotion that isn't positive or maybe uncomfortable for you. And let that be a reminder to trust. So when you notice that discomfort or that questioning coming up, just take a pause. Connect with your heart. And just say to yourself, all shall be well. And just let yourself be in that place of creating safety, place to practice trust. Because we know it's not something that comes naturally always. We invite you to share with us on Instagram or in our Facebook community. We'd love to hear from you on how that practice is unfolding in your life. Beautiful conversation. I love the wildness. I'm imagining flowers just spreading wherever pollinators go in that seemingly random yet beautiful way. Wonderful to be with you, Belinda. Cheers to wild trust. Cheers. Life can be messy beautiful. Gratitude circles create space for people to come together and acknowledge what is. We invite you to join a gratitude circle. Learn more at gratitudeblooming.com. Gratitude Blooming.